Hello everybody and welcome back to another brand new edition of Kavan, where we are continuing our weekly podcast discussing each episode of Doctor Who Flux. This week we come to the second episode, War of the Santarans. Um, an interesting one and of course, as always, I'm joined by uh, three fellow guests, Ryan, Bill and Charlie. How are you guys doing? I'm doing, doing very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's all very good. I can't wait to chat about a, another episode of Doctor Who Flux and see if, well, if it's... Any better or just as good as the last one? Can't wait yeah, yeah, to talk about it. Same here, it would be good. I um was very surprised as to um well my opinions on this story compared to what I expected them to be. So it should be interesting <laughs> hearing your guys' thoughts. Yes, it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Well, we might as well just fling ourselves straight into it we will be mentioning galaxy 4 later um in our podcast as it's um being released this time next week so we'll have a brief little chat about that but um we're very much keeping these podcasts a little bit shorter at the moment um just while we're going through the weekly editions but yeah war of the centaurans we were left after um the halloween apocalypse with the end of the universe um basically and the the flux destroying the tardis and everything um and then we got war of the centaurans and it's i feel like well my foot before i'll ask you all for your opinions in a moment but my kind of general perspective was that it felt more like closer to a normal episode of Doctor Who than certainly we got last week, where there was kind of a main plot, which just wasn't really there last week. I know there's kind of the Carvanista thing, but not not as not as obviously as there was with the Centauran story in this this episode. And then you kinda of had the beat well, you kinda of had two main plots with the with Dan in present day and um the Doctor in the past. And then had the sort of B plot of um, Vinder and Yaz and all the stuff in the Temple of Atropos, which is also quite interesting. Um, I don't know, Charlie, what was your initial take on War of the Centaurans? Um, well, so initially, I wasn't that excited for this because I'd known um, that this was part of um, the OG Series 13, in a sense, like before they decided to go with all the Flux thing. I believe it was this in Village of the Angels had already been planned and drafted. Um, and then Chibnall just adapted them to have Flux parts in. So I expected this to just sort of be a standard Chibnall historical. Okay. And in many ways it was, but I was pleasantly surprised by all the Flux stuff and how quite yeah. nicely it links together, especially with Carvanista being in it um, and obviously the Temple of Atropos stuff. Um, it was really, really good. I, I genuinely really, really did enjoy this. Um, and I'm glad that Chibnall has sort of, you know, decided to add these Flux bits in and make it, although it does feel closer to a normal Doctor Who episode because, you know, we had like 12 plots in the first one and now they basically... <laughs> you know, coalesced into like pretty much three plots, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels a lot more grounded and you sort of understand a bit more what's going on. Like there are a couple of loose threads from the last episode that I'm sure will get resolved at some point, but generally mm. it's much easier to keep track of. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think that's, yeah, I was kind of appreciated the fact that I didn't have to try and remember 12 different plots this week, unlike last week. Um, as good as it was last week, it was nice to have one a sort of more main story to focus on. Um, Bill, what was your um, initial take on the episode? Yeah, um, like you say, it was nice to kind of have a, just a like a bog standards Doctor Who feel this time around, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think in many ways, yeah, it was better than last week's. I mean, last week's was still great and really good, and really solid story but this week was just better um it was more traditional but it was also it it wasn't just um you know just normal doctor who being normal doctor who it was still interesting it was still 
um, intriguing. And yeah, I, f- I feel like, again, we got introduced to a lot of plot elements that will come into the whole Flux uh, story arc later on in the series and everything. And, um, but yeah, it was a good thing that there wasn't as many this time around. Um, I think, yeah, I think on the whole, I'd say this is a lot better. I don't really have that much negative stuff to say about this. I think Mm -hmm. the only negative things I have to say is a few small little nitpicks, like, for example, um, the way the cliffhanger the what the that we had at the end of the previous episode uh the way it was kind of resolved at the beginning of this episode felt to me anyway a bit sort of I wasn't I didn't feel quite as satisfied with it like yeah I did feel like we go from one second of oh my gosh it's the end of the universe to suddenly then they're just they've landed on this battlefield somehow and it all gets explained through dialogue and everything I mean it's not bad but was expecting kind of something a bit better. Um, yeah. But yeah, apart from things like that, I like I say, I just don't have that much negative stuff to say about this. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I feel like when, when you know, obviously we didn't talk about them on this podcast, but when you can look back at previous Jim Lear episodes, there's often more negatives than positives to be able to say about some of the episodes. Whereas I feel like with this episode, it was just a fundamentally solid and enjoyable episode of Doctor Who with the added sort of flux, story arc, division, timeless child elements that will all become clear later in the series, um, which was pretty, really good, I thought. I don't know, Ryan, what, what, was, you, what was your take on it? Uh, kind of mirroring what Bill said. I mean, I, I do think this is an improvement over the last one. Whereas the last one, there were so many plot threads and plot lines being introduced that it was a kind of so much to kind of take all in that it kind of gave me a bit of a headache after I watched it but with this it's nice that it was more cohesive it was like there was a good clear plot to kind of funnel in on which is this Sontaran conflict that's expanding that's spanning across these two different time periods I like the idea that the Sontarans have decided to not just invade Earth but also then incorporate this sort of time t- travel technology where they yeah. decided they want to invade not just Earth in present day, but on plan to do it at all different time periods so that the Sontarans have always been on Earth. And I like the fact that their mm. motivation behind it links back to their their very first story in yeah. the Time Warriors. They, yeah. uh, Commander Lynx. It was yes. our yeah, it was it was pretty much ours ever since Lynx planted his flag and yeah. which was one of my one of my favourite moments from that story. And yeah, it's so nice. great how it all tied into that, which probably might explain why the Sontarans look similar to those classic yeah. Sontarans, perhaps. Um, That's a good point. And, uh, and I think, as I said, I do think this is a good, solid um, Sontaran story. It's nice that we actually have the Sontarans as a threat again after so many years of not having them as the main villain on screen, um, mm. which I thought was nice. My only slight issue was that there wasn't enough Sontar in action. We do have this one big battle scene that, uh, in around the middle of the story, but then yeah. other times there isn't really that much Sontar in action, and I kind of wish there was some more battle scenes, but then again, that's just me. Um, I do think it was a little bit strange how... Dan was so easily managed to sneak into the main Sontaran 
um, base that's meant to be highly Indeed. secure and guarded, yes. and yet he managed to get in um, easily, which I think was a little bit like, what? But it, anyway, it was it didn't really completely hamper the whole experience. So I honestly thought it was a, a generally fun story, even, uh, even if the, there are some elements that kind of don't connect. I mean, I remember the Liverpool 1820 storyline from the PS1, the, the main guy, Williamson, I knew he was going to be in this one, but I did not expect it to be just look, some pop-in carryaway. It's just like, and yeah. I'm still here, and then I'm off, off screen again. Yeah, Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bit like, what? That's it? And honestly, yeah. I actually got really frustrated at that because I'm just like, if, I'm just like, there needs to be a point to this whole Liverpool 1820 storyline, which I'm pretty sure it will later on, but it's just like, I'm still yet to find a reason to care about that aspect um, of the storyline. So even though I did have some issues here and there, I do think it was a genuine improvement over episode one. And Mm -hmm. um, and as I said, as a story on its own, if this was just like a general thing that had no connection to any dot two storyline, it's still a solid uh, Sontaran story, definitely. I mean, I think it might be my third or fourth favourite Sontaran story <laughs> overall. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, I thought, I mean, well, well, let's have a little chat. What do we all think about the kind of Sontar main plot, the Sontaran plot of this story? We'll, we'll come on to the, you know, Temple of Atropos stuff in a minute. But, Charlie, in terms of the actual main plot, the Sontaran plot, did, did you think, you know, Ryan, you mentioned you quite like the idea of the sort of time travel and taking over Earth at different points in history. Do you feel like that was quite a nice way to kind of incorporate the Sontarans into it, but also in a slightly different way to what we've seen with Sontarans in the past? Yeah, I'd say so. I think it was um, yeah, quite interesting, as you said, Ryan, the like temporal invasion stuff and how it links with the Time Warrior is fantastic. I, I really love the Time Warrior and I'm glad they included a little little reference there um and yeah it just makes it more interesting than we're using earth for a military base or a cloning you know cloning farm or something like that it just makes it a bit more interesting um the only slight gripe i have with it is um the fact that we actually you know don't get much sontaran action and we don't actually get many scenes with the sontarans themselves we get you know the doctor meris on that planning you know infiltrating the Sontaran ship or mm-hmm. planning to you know battle the Sontarans but we don't actually get much of the Sontarans themselves um even though the new design well the old design I guess is fantastic <laughs> yeah yeah I mean watching like and thinking back on it now I'm I kind of feel like maybe it was just because they had to obviously have this main Sontaran plot but they also had to squeeze in all the other stuff obviously the present day Dan stuff and all the Atropos stuff. I feel like maybe that just squeezed the amount of time they could put into sort of heavy Centauran scenes and Centauran action scenes and things, where if this had been a standalone 50-minute job, like it probably was originally planned to be, maybe then they would have had more opportunity to feature the Centaurans more heavily, um, rather than just helmeted characters that we see in the back of shot a couple of times, which I think was for sort of, as you say, large portions of the story outside of the big main fight scene. I feel like that was a little bit lacking in places. Um, Bill, did you enjoy the the Sintaran plot of this this story? And did you think that it kind of tied in quite well by having Dan move sort of move to the present day and have that whole Dan infiltration storyline in the present day as well? What do you think of that bit? Yeah, I mean, um, 
I get completely what like Ryan and Charlie have been saying about the fact that um, we didn't get much kind of action scenes with the Sontarans. And yeah, that's that's very true. We didn't because apart from that big battle of the British army, we just didn't. I mean, very little stuff of, you know, because Sontarans, of course, a big warrior race. So to not see them in more battles in this episode is a bit strange. But um, yeah, I think with in terms of Dan in modern day Liverpool, um, yeah, I think that was, I don't know, I kind of liked that in a sense because it was, and I liked the way it kind of eventually tied back together with then the Doctor Mary Seacole in um, 1850s Crimea um, mm. because it was it was a nice film to kind of to have that, to have that uh, chance to further develop as a character and to then, we then obviously meet his mum and dad um, and his interactions with them is just hilarious and the you know, the wok frying pan and everything. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just comedy gold, really. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I I think that that is, again, it's, you can really tell that with Dan, especially, um, Chris Chibnall is really trying to flesh out his character and give him a lot of scenes with the Doctor and Yaz Shaw, but also a lot of scenes on his own with his family, with Carvin Easter, et cetera, with whatever. Um and yeah, and then with Carvin Easter, yeah, I really love uh, their dynamic together, which I think, yeah. you know, is such like a, I almost want to say a sort of odd couple, like kind of <laughs> relationship in a way, kind of like they don't properly get along, but they do sort of thing. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think that, yeah, there's def- there definitely could have been more stuff with the Sontarans, definitely, and I think that is the problem is like you say is that ultimately this episode whilst there was a sort of main plot to it it still had to deal with the flux stuff um so it's a shame that it couldn't have just been a proper standalone episode or maybe even a two-parter or something like that but um even as it stands I mean the fact that even with the flux stuff and you know, all, all this other stuff, it's ultimately still a really solid, great episode. And yeah, I think I think it is definitely one of the best Sontaran stories. Yeah. Definitely not as good as like the Time Warrior, but still really good. Um, and I think, yeah, it's given the Sontarans the justice that they've been denied for so long as monsters, yeah. I think. Um, because they just for the past few years they've just been parodied basically and you know <laughs> nothing completely wrong with that in moderation maybe but um i think you know Sontarans ultimately are best when they're acting like baddies um and i think this episode just is a good example of that ultimately yeah absolutely um ryan what do you want to say well, oh, um, well, I will say with the, um, as you mentioned, with the Sontarans, it was definitely great to have them like as a bad again. I mean, nothing wrong with Strax. I mean, but I always saw him as a, like a different kind of Sontaran, like yeah. the like, like in the same way Vastra is a different type of Silurian. They're like the mm. good examples of their races. But yeah, in terms of baddies, we haven't really seen them like that ever since two thousand and eight, because ever since then they've just sort of been usurped by by developing further the Weeping Angels, the Zygons, the Ice Warriors, etc. Yeah. So it's a shame that the Ice Warriors never really 
had much um, to be had be more of a starring monster ever since then. So it was great mm. to see them um, be a monster again. And for the, and it is great to have Dan Starkey back as yeah. as a Sontaran again. I mean, and I mean it's I thought the I don't know the actor's name. I think Jonathan Watterson or Watson, the guy that plays like the main Sontaran commanders yeah. in the two different time periods. He was good, but it was also great to have um, Dan Starkey back as the supporting Sontarans. Like in a way, kind of like he was in the 2008 Sontaran Stratagem two-parter. So I thought that was a nice little touch there. And with Carvanista, I think he's shaping up to be my favourite character of this series. Yeah, because I when agree. I, when I first saw those pictures before the episode came out, I was certain I was going to hate this character. Mm-hmm. I just thought, this is not going to work. It's a dog alien. It's, it, I'm just not going to be on board with this. Yeah. He shaped up to be one of my favorite, maybe my favorite character of the whole season. I just love his dynamic with mm. Dan. I just think it's so brilliantly well handled, and I'm kind of worried that he's going to get killed off. I don't know why, yeah. but there is a part of me that's a little bit worried that they could end up killing him off, and I'm just like, oh, I really hope they don't do that. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just like, you're killing off the best thing about this series. I know. I, I feel like it's, it's almost inevitable that Carl Easter will end up being killed trying to save Dan. Like, you know, in mm. protection of Dan, he'll have to sacrifice himself or something and we'll get a nice emotional beat from it, which will be nice, but also, like, it's a shame to lose that character. So I, mm. I'm afraid, Ryan, I sense your your fears may well be realised with Carl Easter there. Um, no! I do, yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's going to be a sad day if it does come around towards the end of the series. I feel if... Um... That doesn't happen. I and mean, let's say Carvanista survives, which I really hope he does because, yeah, he's a fantastic character. Um, I feel if Big Finish got the rights to the Jodie Whittaker era, um, I'd want them to do a Dan and Carvanista box set. Yes. I'll yeah, buy Carvanista. that in an instant. I'll buy that yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just, that pre order day one. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, sometimes we can accuse Big Finish of maybe trying to milk it a little bit, but I think people would buy Dan Dan and Carmen Easter. I think that would be an entertaining box set, wouldn't it? That would be some good fun. Um, but yeah, that 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 was sort of the A plot and the main plot of this story. But we also had all this stuff, stuff set on the Temple of Atropos, which we knew was going to be featured in this, but we didn't really know anything about exactly what it was. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where Yaz got sort of sent off to. And I, I don't know, I, I felt like Yaz was pretty underutilized in this story compared to the first episode where I felt like she really had some character. She was like, you know, a big main role of the um, episode. I just felt like apart from her, you know, what would the Doctor do moment? She didn't really have very much to actually do in this story, which I felt was kind of, I don't know, it just felt like a bit of a step back from what we've seen previously. Ryan, what did you think? Yeah, it is a shame that after kind of, trying to build up Yaz as the main companion for Jodie Whitty. It's a shame that she's got kind of sidelined in this in this episode, um, having this B-plot with Vinda. And I've seen some people theorise this, and I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if Vinda was originally supposed to have been Captain Jack. I've seen if maybe people... Captain Jack was supposed to have been in that sort of supporting role considering that he was sort of built up in the last series that maybe he was going to have a bigger role in this series and maybe who knows what happened behind the scenes that they decided to do a different character maybe but i know i know that um they 
in, it, it certainly it could have been originally planned to be Captain Jack, but it wasn't changed because of all the stuff that happened with him early with John Barrowman early this year, because it was all in planning and filming bef- well before that. So they would have decided by the middle of last year that it wasn't going to be Captain Jack and it was going to be Vinder instead. It, it, yeah, as I say, I can kind of see what you're saying, and I think it could have originally been him. But certainly since sort of pre-production started, they clearly decided on having a new character instead. Which, I mean, I mean, it isn't too bad. I mean, I do think Jacob Anderson is actually doing a good job. Yeah. And I mean, even though we don't really know that much about yeah, Vindy, the thing. Yeah. He's, he's still a likeable presence. And it's clear that he's definitely going to have much more of a bigger role in the next episode if mm. um, trailers are led to be believed. But um, yeah, this sort of little subplot it's clear that they are like explore more about this temple of the Mori and yes. everything that does seem to be very much implied that it is connected to the whole legacy of the timeless child, which yeah. I'm still very iffy on considering, well, my feelings about how the doctor's the timeless child and all that. But <laughs> I mean, even though I'm still not a huge fan of that, it's weird. It's going to be interesting to see how they take it further in the next episode considering um well appearing that Yaz and Vind are gonna survive possibly their yes, all the other diving more into the division and everything happening there, which it's definitely gonna be interesting. But it's clear yeah. that this B plot is just basically a glorified setup for what's gonna happen in episode three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it was establishing this whole thing about what well, what we're going to find about about the planet called Time in the next episode, which I think is fascinating, and how you know time's all falling apart, and and we've never known about this, you know, the Mori before, but they seem to sort of hold the whole of time together, and it's I think it's so interesting that the Doctor doesn't know about any of this. You know, she's a Time Lord, and you think the Times would know about the, the the force that's holding all of time together and things. So I do wonder whether this is another thing from, you know, the Division days that's been wiped from the Doctor's memory. And, 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 and I feel I feel like towards the end of the series, we might end up getting a lot of, here's a thing that the Doctor had our mind wiped about that we're now going to show you sort of moments, kind of like we had in The Timeless Children. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like it's just going to be necessary to do it to be able to create some development. I wouldn't be surprised if they do the thing of explaining like it was the Maury and time that this planet of time that actually created Gallifrey. Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if they go that far well, and yes. say they're the originators of Gallifrey. They were the original Gallifrey, the original Time Lords and yep. all of that. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if Gimbal goes that far. <laughs> It will be interesting to see, won't it? I mean, Bill, you, obviously we had um, Swarm and Azure become much bigger kind of presence in this story and they were a big part of the Atropos scenes. Um, what Did you enjoy kind of the performance? I mean, I personally really like seeing like Swarm, I think is going to be one of the great villains of Doctor Who, at least maybe that's a bit dramatic, but um, I feel like he's going to be a really, really great villain. I just felt like he really took control of those scenes and you just get the impression he's got such a, a power over this whole situation and he's like you know just completely in control and the doctor's kind of got no hope it almost feels like i don't know what was your take on all that stuff with um a swarm towards the end of the story yeah um yeah I, like you i think that swarm is going to be shaping up to be one of the great doctor villains yeah definitely because I don't know, there's just something about him and Azure as well, just the two of them together. It's just, I don't know, I don't quite know what it is. It's just the acting or something is just really, really good. Um, And yeah, I think 
the thing, the thing about that, which I kind of found a bit strange, was the whole introducing of the third member of that group, uh, Passenger, I think his name was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, the, the thing is, is I know, like, obviously they've got to do other stuff with the whole temple and the Crimean War and Sontarans and everything, but if you're going to introduce a, um, a new character like Passenger, mm-hmm. it, it kind of feels weird that he just shows up out of nowhere and swarm just says oh now we are free or something like that and then it doesn't really get explained like what exactly is passenger like Mm -hmm. is he also some kind of you know is it like what exactly is he to azure and swarm like is he their colleague or is he just some kind of ally or you know it's a bit it's a bit in the air i think at the minute and as for the temple stuff yeah again it's i'm gonna have to wait and see like um how the go about that in the later series because at the minute I'm not too sure because um because like I enjoyed the Crimean stuff and the Sontarans and then with the temple stuff yeah I just wasn't too sure what to make of some of it because you know we're not given loads of information in this episode which yeah. you know it's not a bad thing but it then kind of means that then I kind of uh ended the episode wondering what on earth's going in this temple? Um, you know, it's yeah, kind of... I feel, yeah. Yeah. I think we were left with a lot of questions after this story. Like, it, they sort of posed lots of little hints and things, you know, talking about quantum locks, which could relate to the Weeping Angels, I saw some people saying, and just hints of stuff to do with, you know, the past, stuff that doesn't know yet, or used to know, and, and things that I'm sure will be revealed, and... and, and well, yeah, we'll all come to make sense, but it feels like, I don't know, maybe they should have just given us a little bit more in this episode to kind of just tide us over because, you know, we're already a third of the way through the series. So they've got to start giving us some answers somewhere soon, I feel like. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. We, 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 we're rapidly running out of time, so we should probably sum up our thoughts on this episode. I don't know, Charlie, what would you... So you say overall this is a better episode than the first one. Um does it leave you positive for the rest of the series? Would you like to see sort of the rest of the series take more this sort of format of episode compared to what we saw in the first one? Um, I think, I don't know. I am I feel like episodes three and four especially will still be somewhat of their own self-contained stories with yeah. episode three, Once Upon Time. And I'm really glad that that title makes a bit more sense now because yes, I thought that was indeed. a bit of a rubbish title before. Um, <laughs> that's going to be them in the Temple of Atropos on the Planet of Time. And then episode four, that was part of the OG series 13. So will be about obviously the Weeping Angels. Um, As for five and six, I can imagine there'll be much more like episodes one and two, episode one um, being quite, you know, lots of plots and, you know, all sort of coming together because it's, you know, the final episodes. Um, But generally I'm really positive for the rest of the series. Um, I feel Jibnall is much better writing um, long serialized stories. And it makes me quite annoyed he didn't do that for series 11 and 12 because this is is great. I really love this. Um, I'd say War of the Sontarans is probably my second or third favorite Jodie Whittaker episode. I think it's Mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, My only worry is um, that maybe they'll get so good that they'll be hard to top, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. they'll end up getting so good that the finale might seem like a bit of a letdown. 
oh, I feel I feel like the finale for this series is going to be it's going to be something. It's going to be a lot of pressure on this finale when we get to it to try and wrap up and satisfyingly conclude whatever this story is going to turn into being. Um, I don't know. We don't want another Battle of Ranskarav Colossal Timeless oh. Children. We definitely Indeed. don't want we, another one of those. We need, we need something different. I mean, Ryan, are you feel, I given you know, you probably weren't the most, you're probably the least positive of us going into Dot Two Flux. Where are you after two episodes? I am. It is definitely interesting. Um, I think as I've enjoyed episode two more than episode one because yeah. I think it maybe because it's a bit more standalone and a bit more yeah. cohesive. Um, I'm still going to be a little bit sceptical with the rest of the series. Um, it, it's really just depending on how Chibnall is is going to wrap everything up and ha- how much he's willing to reveal. I imagine in the next one, he'll, they'll reveal more, given that it's probably going to explain more about the division and, and the planet of time and possibly the boundary as well, the, yeah, um, if the trails are to be. So... Um, it, it, it is definitely more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I will give it that. It's definitely more fascinating than the previous two seasons, okay. which yeah. I never thought I would say, but there you go. I mean, but then again, it's really depending on how he wraps everything up with these yeah. remaining cool episodes. Indeed, indeed. And Bill, two episodes in, how are you feeling about Dot Two Flux? Yeah, again, I'm feeling really... Um invested in it at the minute because i'm really intrigued as to see how this is going to be all wrapped up i mean you know hopefully um this is when it when it all is finished it's going to be a really great um serialized storyline that we can look back on and think you know that was some really good doctor who um uh, so yeah i just hope that the finale is good i hope the um next few episodes in general are really good and yeah, I mean, hopefully this might be something which then helps fans look back on the whole Chris Chibnall era uh, in a much more positive light, hopefully. And um, yeah, maybe it'll, it'll just improve um, the legacy, I suppose, of the era to many people. Yeah, I'm yeah, very exactly. excited, yeah. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I feel like as long as this series kind of continues in the way it's going and really has a like satisfying conclusion, I feel like it will just help people to remember this era more fondly than maybe people who've kind of, you know, we've all, as when we were at the end of series 11, say, or after after series 12, I think I'm, I'm hopeful that will be the case. But um, yeah, that's about it for War of the Centaurans. We'll really quickly mention, guys, are you excited for Galaxy 4 animation? I know we talked about it a while ago when they announced it. Um, Charlie, are you, are you going to be getting that DVD on next week and watching Galaxy 4 animation? Um, I will be, yeah. I I can't say I'm looking forward to it. If I'm being honest, for the past couple of weeks, I forgot about it because of yep. Flux. And I, I yeah, feel quite yeah. sorry for Galaxy 4 animation because because of Flux, you know, no one's, you know, I think I feel like everyone's forgotten about it. Um, so, yeah, I, it'll still be good to see another animation. But at the end of the day, I am more excited for Once Upon Time. Yeah. I, th- I think I tend to be the same here. Ryan, more excited for Gal- Galaxy 4 or Once Upon Time? I'm, so I'm, uh, I'm astonished to hear myself say this, but it's Once Upon Time. I'm actually wow. looking forward to those. <laughs> um, I mean, but then again, because we're, cause that at least will have something more fascinating going on than, say, the Chumblees in Galaxy 4. Mm. I mean, I said, I've forgotten that story was coming out next week, which is, I mean, I think... Ever, not only that, but I think everyone's sort of coming off the high of how great 
Evil of the Daleks animation yeah. was. So to have it be Galaxy 4 is a little bit odd, but I'll still watch it when my pre-order arrives next week. Yeah, indeed. And Bill, looking forward to it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Galaxy 4, but again, like everybody else, I'm probably looking forward to Series 13 and the next two episodes especially, probably the most. Um, yeah, Galaxy 4 is a bit of a, in some ways a bit of a strange choice for them to go with, to animate. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, maybe it being animated might maybe make people look back on it a bit more positively. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. Might not happen. But um, <laughs> yeah. But stranger things have happened, man. Stranger things. Well, in, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. We'll, we'll have to see, won't we? Um, but that's just about all we've got time for on this week's edition of Kavam. Thank you for joining us for our chat about World and Torrents and a little bit of Galaxy 4. Um, we'll be back again next week, continuing our, week, our weekly editions of Doc 2 Flux as we talk about Once Upon Time, which I know we're all pretty excited about. And maybe we'll give Galaxy 4 another mention if any of us have managed to watch it by the time we record next week's podcast. But apart from that, please follow us at Kavam Pod. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube, my channel, EMS productions but apart from that that's all for today's podcast and we'll be back in very soon for another brand new one see you then bye bye